Megan, I have been using our sponsor Element, that's L-M-N-T, to boost my hydration for over a month now, and I'm really loving it. I'm just not very good at drinking plain water, and I love the taste when I pop one of these little packets, I like orange or grapefruit, into a big bottle of water. It's kind of fruity and salty, and it just helps me hydrate better overall. Element is a zero-sugar electrolyte drink mix born from the growing body of research that shows the best health outcomes occur with higher sodium levels. Each little pack delivers a significant dose of electrolytes, but minus sugar, artificial colors, and other iffy ingredients. Element's flavors are so unique, like fruity watermelon salt and spicy sweet mango chili. And we're going to set our listeners up with a variety pack so you can find your favorite. Right. You can receive a free Element sample pack containing eight flavors with any drink mix purchase when you purchase through our custom link, drinkelement.com slash momhour. That's D-R-I-N-K-L-M-N-T slash momhour. This offer is available exclusively through our partnership and is available for both new and returning customers. And if you're an Element Insider, you'll have first access to Element Sparkling, a bold can of sparkling electrolyte water. Again, it's drinklmnt.com slash momhour. Hi, I'm Megan. And I'm Sarah. We're two moms with eight kids between us from preschool to teen. This is the show where we help you feel better about the mom you are and share our own parenting tips and personal stories. We're not experts. We're parents who've been there. We're not perfect. We're real. Welcome to the Mom Hour. Hey, everyone, and welcome to episode 93 of The Mom Hour. I'm Megan Francis, here as always with Sarah Powers, and today we're doing something we like to do every now and then, and that is to bring you kind of a grab bag of listener questions. So um, as you may or may not know, you can submit questions to us a variety of ways, through email, through our website, um, using a, an app called SpeakPipe, and I think we've got some other tricks up our sleeve. Um, you can just send us a video or a audio file if you want, but when we get kind of little backlog of those questions, we like to go through and pick a few and answer them in an episode. So that's what we're doing today. Yeah, we've got some really good ones today. Thank you to everybody who sent them in. And all of our questions today were sent in audio style. So you'll be able to hear these listeners' voices. And we love to hear your voices. And that's kind of the best way to share your questions with our audience. So... Sarah, we both know this time of year can be crazy. So this is a great time to get ahead with no prep, no mess meals from our sponsor, Factor. I love how these meals are ready to eat and delivered right to your door. I mean, you can't beat that convenience, but most importantly, they're seriously delicious. Yeah, Megan, I agree. Our whole family was impressed with the quality and flavor of Factor meals we tried. And it turned out to be a great option for my teenagers when they got home late from a theater practice or came home from school super hungry. There's zero prepping, cooking, or cleaning up. Factor meals just need to be heated for about two minutes and they're ready to go. Yeah. And for any listeners with wellness goals this month, Factor has six menu preferences to support your lifestyle. Whether you're trying to boost your protein, avoiding meat, or simply focusing on well-balanced meals. And you can pause or reschedule deliveries to fit your lifestyle. Make today the day you kickstart a new healthy routine. Head to factormeals.com slash momhour50 and use code momhour50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box. That's code momhour50 at factormeals.com slash momhour50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box while your subscription is active. Okay, Megan. Well, over here at the Mom Hour, we are big fans of our sponsor, Our Place. In fact, you, me, and our team member, Katie, were all comparing notes on our favorite product. 
Katie was telling us that even though she's packing up to move her family to a new house, she cannot put that mini perfect pot from our place into the boxes yet because she's using it like every night. Well, as someone who also has a perfect pot, I got mine as part of their mini home cook duo set. I get it. It's nonstick, which is key, but it also has all these handy features like a steam release lid with a built-in strainer and this nice beechwood spoon that nests on the handle in this perfect little peg. Okay, well, I didn't get this pot, but now I want it. That sounds so great. Our place's cookware is great to cook with, beautiful to look at, and healthier for us as well. All of Our Place's products are made without PFAS, also known as Forever Chemicals. In addition to their cookware and tableware, Our Place is also making waves with their Wonder Oven, the most stylish all-in-one air fryer and toaster oven. Again, free from the Forever Chemicals found in many of those air fryers. Listeners, Our Place offers a 100-day trial with free shipping and returns, and we've got a great deal for you. Go to fromourplace.com and enter the code MOMHOUR at checkout to receive 10% off site-wide. That's fromourplace.com, code MOMHOUR. Nice. So we dig into our questions? These are such good questions. So, um, okay, so the first question we're going to play came from Nicole, and you will hear her um, hear her voice, um, but I'll just set it up a little bit because this is definitely a question that I um, I definitely struggled with a little bit as my little boy got older. So let's hear Nicole's question. And then Megan, I would love for you to take this one first. Hi, Megan and Sarah. My name is Nicole and I live in Kitchener, Ontario and Canada. So that is super close to Stratford where I hope it's not creepy that I remember that Megan goes to see plays at the Stratford Festival every year. Um, Anyways, I have two boys. Um, One is three and a half and one is almost two. And my question is about how and what you allow boys to do as they start to um, leave the stage of being cute babies and turn into wanting to do bigger kid things. So my three and a half year old especially is really interested in shooting and swords and Star Wars and things that are just so foreign to me. Um, Things I didn't do as a kid myself. And it's hard to just to know when to set boundaries and what to do. So I would love to hear advice from you about what you did with your own boys, um, how you allowed them to kind of get their aggressive boy energy out, but um, still taught boundaries and kindness and empathy. Anyways, thank you so much. I really appreciate you taking um, my question and I love the podcast. Listen to it every week. Okay, thanks. Bye. Okay, so like many things when it comes to parenting um, bigger kids versus littler kids, I had certain ideals when my adorable, sweet boys were babes in arms that changed as they got a little older. Um, And I think really for me what the... I guess the trick was, was I had to kind of find some middle ground where I could be comfortable and feel like my values were still being represented while also still kind of allowing them to participate in this play that comes so naturally. And everyone jokes about the idea that, you know, if you don't let a little boy play with a gun, he will pick up a chicken nugget and shoot someone with it. It is <laughs> totally a thing. This is what kids do. They, and especially, and, and I know it's, it's generalizing, but especially in my experience, little boys they at a very very young age regardless of what kind of media they've been you know exposed to often they're just really drawn toward play where they're working out all this stuff and i actually read a really great article that we should try to find i mean it's been years um 
Yeah. But it's kind of, it goes into sort of biologically what is going on psychologically and developmentally when little boys are engaging in that kind of play and how they're working with the idea of good versus evil and they're working out like what it means to be a good guy, what it means to be a bad guy, like what it, you know, all these little things, like these little fantasy worlds that kids live in, um, similar to the way, like when I was a little girl, my, my play might've looked quieter and less, you know, less violent, but believe me, I was working out some crazy stuff when I was <laughs> playing with my Barbies sometimes. Right. So I think we just, you know, when, when we're the mom, moms, I feel like are, it's more foreign to us. And so it's disturbing to yeah. us. Like we see boys playing and being rough and we're like, oh, they're going to hurt themselves. Or why would they do that? They're so, you know, they should be empathetic and loving. Right. And instead they're just being these, these mean little aggressive boys. So um, for me, I just had like little rules that I kind of held on to. For example, um, you know, I didn't let my boys play with guns that like looked like a gun that they mm-hmm. could buy. Mm-hmm. They were allowed to play with Nerf guns. Um, the bullets in a Nerf gun don't really look like a bullet. They look like little suction cuppy things or like mm-hmm. little um, foam toppy things. Um, I would never allow them to point a gun at someone who wasn't participating in play. Mm. So like they weren't allowed to walk into a room with, you know, a Nerf gun and point it at you. That was mm-hmm. not okay. They were never allowed to point at anyone's face. That was more just like, I think, me being paranoid. Yeah. But there were just certain things that felt like if something felt really bad to me and mm-hmm. having a kid walk in a room and point a gun at me felt really bad. So yeah. I knew that would feel bad to other people. So that was like one of those respect things. You know, you don't walk around brandishing a weapon around people who aren't engaged in the play. But if someone was engaged in play with them and using whether it was a water pistol or a Nerf gun, um, they kind of got to work out the rules of their own games together. So yeah. that that was one way I kind of removed myself from it without totally just allowing them to do whatever they wanted. And I guess to the same, kind of the same, like with swords and stuff like that, just like how do you be respectful of other people's space? How do you respect the fact that not everyone is playing this game with you? Yes. Um, I don't know, Sarah, what about you? Well, I love this so much because we didn't prep or even, we didn't even make notes in our outline this time about what we I were I didn't even read the outline. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Confessions. I didn't even know what we were talking about. Behind the scenes. <laughs> um, but there's so much that you and I are aligned with, Megan, which is not surprising, but it's still different. Our boys are yeah. different generations. We're different right. areas of the country. So um, I'm just nodding and agreeing with so much that you said. One of the biggest, um, first of all, I have to compliment Nicole because the way she worded her question, I just thought was really wonderful in that she she understands that there is some kind of need for her boys to play in this way and that part of it is her own perception so she's already way ahead right. just in recognizing that yes. it's going to it's about finding the balance and that's the way she worded her question and I love that um to echo mm-hmm. a few of your rules we also um have a few similar rules. And one of the things I love that you just touched on is I think it's really important for kids to start to learn very young that the way they play and behave impacts other kids. So I think it's actually when we impose blanket rules like no violent play or no shooting play or no bad guy play, it actually robs our kids of the opportunity to observe just exactly what you hit on, which is when you point a pretend gun or even a chicken nugget or your fingers at someone's face and say bang, it can make that other person feel afraid and uncomfortable. And so I'm much more likely to point that out than I am to to ban blanket ban certain types of play. I also, so we have a couple of rules. One is that any play like that is consensual. So if I have other little boys over or other kids, girls and boys, and I see the play going in that like 
bad guy. It's not always shooting, yeah. but it's some kind of, you know, good guy, bad guy fighting direction. Um, I might pause them and say, is everybody in on this game? Is this fun for everybody? And kind of make them stop and think, is it fun for everybody? Because it's for sure not fun to have make-believe weapons pointed at you if you're not a willing participant. And quite right. honestly, that goes for kids and adults. I don't particularly love violent play myself, but I don't put that on my kids as a rule. I say, you know, I'm not comfortable with this right now. I feel afraid. And I've even as my kids have gotten older, I've even added a little bit. And I've said, you know, guns in real life are really scary to me. And there's some things that happens with guns that feel upsetting to me. So I don't want to play that. And I'll say that to my, I might not say that to a two-year-old, but, um, you know, I'm not going to give them a huge lecture on gun violence, but I am going to start to introduce concepts that their play affects people in different ways. Now, if it's consensual, everybody's in on it and everybody's having fun. I'm, I'm like you. I don't have a particular ban against violent play. Um, another thing I wanted to bring up is... Um, movies and video games and mm. media that our kids watch. And there are there's some great research on this um, that when kids, when little kids have seen a movie maybe once and they really love it. I remember Reed loved the Disney movie Brother Bear. Did your boys oh, see that? Yes, I remember yes. that one. And yeah. that, there's no guns, of course, because it's like Native Americans bears. and bears, but it's quite yeah. violent, actually. It's like spears and bear fighting. Yeah. And he was seriously two years old, marching through the woods with sticks and spears and wanting to play fight. And just like Nicole said, it's very alarming when it's like this baby. Um, but when kids have seen something that's age appropriate, and I'm going to go ahead and say that was okay. I mean, it's a Disney movie. So, you know, it was mostly age appropriate. It was maybe a little exciting for him. He just wanted to act it out and process it. And that I think is fine and healthy. If he's doing the make believe and he's kind of using the movie as an inspiration. Now, when kids get maybe exposed to media that is too old for them and is mm -hmm. really scary or if they are watching so much of something that they've lost the ability to just play imaginatively. Right. And now they're just reenacting a potentially scary or negative thing. I think that's right. where you might want to look at media usage. So media violence in the media is always handed down as this like such a black and white thing. And at least the research I have read is that kids, kids using the shows and the books and the movies and everything that they've absorbed as an inspiration for their make-believe play can be great. I mean, we all acted out Peter Pan or whatever right. we were into, but when they're, when the exposure to media is either above their, age appropriateness or it's so much that they have no room to make believe on top of it to right. layer their own make believe on top of it that's when I think um maybe it's worth looking at so Nicole yeah. didn't specifically say that her boys had been watching too much Star Wars or anything but I I'm I'm always really interested in kids and media and so I just wanted to share that as something else to think about I don't think we need to ban all movies that have any kind of violence yeah. unless that's unless that feels right for you um right. but having it as part of a balanced media diet and keeping an eye on the age appropriateness i always use common sense media is so good yeah, me for, too. i love common um, sense media and it's not even it's, they, they will give an age rating but it's almost that part's irrelevant because you know your kid but they do really good reviews where you you they will you specifically get tell you yeah. what to look for so that, yeah, i kind of rambled on sorry for a little while that's okay we do that um <laughs> <laughs> well one thing and, and what i was going to kind of wrap up that one by saying is, you know, I think some of this is experience. And one thing I've I realized was like I got pretty good and this took years. I mean, it wasn't like something that happened overnight. They got pretty good at walking into a scene and looking at a group of boys playing and figuring out was it like setting up my spidey senses that something was 
just disturbing about it. And that might happen sometimes. And it doesn't mean you're terrible mom or like you let something go too long that or they saw something they shouldn't. It just means sometimes in any group of kids, uh, the pack mentality can take over and it can just go in a direction you're not super happy about. And at that case, at that point, I got pretty good at being like, just kind of reading the room figuring out was everyone in is there actual bullying going on right now or is everyone playing right and sometimes what I would have to do for my own sanity is if everything felt okay and it was just like a lot of loud noises and motion and crashing around I would just excuse myself like go into my bedroom and shut the door for a few minutes because sometimes the noise can really get to you and like the motion and the movement and the possibility that someone might get hurt and that makes you do that hovering, anxious mom thing. And yeah. sometimes I just kind of had to remove myself from it. But I think when you really pay attention and watch what's going on, you can kind of see, you start to get that sense about what it is. Is it is this healthy or not? And yeah. sometimes it's pretty clear. Yep. And teaching kids, um, which doesn't happen overnight, but over and over again, teaching kids to notice in each other yeah. what's how people, how different friends are reacting to the play. I just think is such a more widely applicable lesson than saying we don't play violent play. Yeah. Um, I just looked up while we were chatting a blog post. I remember a long time ago reading, um, from, are you familiar with teacher Tom, Megan? He's a, he's a male preschool teacher blogger and his articles tend to catch on, especially in, um, I think more in the education circles since he is a teacher. And I remember reading his thoughts on gun play in a preschool classroom. And I'll link to that. Um, some really interesting, interesting thoughts, but one final thought, and then we will move on. Um, is that I always use the example, you know, cause there's this fear that like if my children or my boys play violent they're going to grow up to be violent humans right um and I always use the example like my daughter and son used to pretend to get married to each other in their make-believe and they're not going to get married and they're not going to get married to each other when they're grown up so uh, just like you said going back to when you were little your make-believe maybe didn't my barbies did unspeakable things (laughs) exactly so let's remember that make-believe has a very important role and it it isn't always to be taken literally so when you're looking at this whole picture and taking into account all the rest um yeah, my my son and daughter, I don't believe, will grow up to marry each other. But they had many a wedding when they were about yep. two and four. They're so. working stuff out. <laughs> <laughs> well, we are going to move on. Nicole, I hope that answers your question. Thanks so much for sending it in. Um, real quick, before we go to the next question, I wanted to thank everybody for iTunes reviews lately. I just popped over there and read some recent ones, and they are so kind. You guys make us feel so good. If you have not had a chance to leave us a review in iTunes or in whatever podcast platform you use. There's usually a way to rate and review our show. Um, We would really appreciate that. It continues to help other moms find our show. And um, we we try to mention it um, pretty often, but I don't think we've directly asked for that in a while. So yeah, um, just a little favor. it, um, It is a a little bonus for us. Um, there's a little tutorial on our website at themomhour.com. If you don't know how to do it, we walk you through the steps. So you can find that there too. Yeah. Okay. So I love that this next question happens to be about a rather gendered issue with girls. Um, so Kristen called in her question. We'll play it for you. Um, and I think, I don't think she says this in her recording, but she has twin girls who are three and she's wondering about gender stereotyping specifically with clothing. So here's Kristen. Hi, my name is Kristen. I live in Madison, Wisconsin, and I have twin three-year-old girls. And I was calling because I was wondering what you all do to fight against gender stereotyping and raising your children. 
Um, I come across it a lot, um, especially when interacting with strangers at the store or things like that. And then also looking for clothing at the store, trying to find something that's not covered in hearts. Um, so I just was wondering what you all do in terms of activities, how you talk to your kids, clothing, etc. Thanks. So, Sarah, we we just talked about shopping for kids. Yes, and I actually um, think that was Kristen's. Um, she wrote to us and then recorded it after that. Yeah, yeah so well, it's kind of a jumping talked, off point. We talked about the difficulty of finding things um, that aren't really gender stereotyped in mm-hmm. clothing. Um, I had a particular problem finding stuff. You know, she's got girls. I had a really hard time finding things for boys that weren't, you know, didn't have a ball, a truck, a dinosaur, mm-hmm. Or later, like a skull and crossbones. I remember that was really, really in for a while. Just you know, things that, things that aggressively it was just really masculine. Yeah, aggressively masculine, <laughs> and kind of in a silly way. You yeah. know, like my my infant son does not need to have um, sport gear on. He doesn't. Yeah. Or what about the hold a ball onesies? Yet. Like, what about my... the onesies that say like chick magnet or heartbreaker? I'm not a big fan. Oh, those, those. are terrible. It's gross. Okay, Sorry. so I know it is gross. Oh gosh, we're like we're gonna have the one person listening who's like, but wait, I like. I know that, that was a little judgy. Of we us. managed to offend someone. I knew it would happen eventually. <laughs> well, <laughs> um, yeah, I just I I think that for me, really, just being willing to really seek out stuff. And I know primary came up as one. Yes. A um, lot of our listeners love primary.com. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, and there are other brands where you can find stuff that's not really gendered either way. I think being willing to cross the lines like Kristen is and buy things from the boys section mm-hmm. um, is totally fine too. I, I think that it's just really difficult to, we live the world we live in is the world we live in and, and we kind of got to be willing to shake things up a little bit and do things our own way or else we're going to end up kind of getting routed back into that over and over. Another thing I wanted to mention really quick is that I think sometimes it's really fun. Like Clara has um, boys t-shirts that have been handed down from her brothers Mm -hmm. and she will sometimes pair those with like a super ruffly skirt or sparkly pants. And I think it's kind of fun to let girls or boys do that kind of like mashup as well. So it doesn't have to feel like everything you bought was out of one section or the other. I think that's true. And I think Kristen probably has had the experience of walking into a retailer where it just feels like pink tool overload. Yeah. Whereas like you said, when it, when her girls, I think are three, so they're probably just getting, and they're twins, which means she's had her hands full. I'm sure. Um, so when they're probably been given 8 million little girl matching outfits. Yes. Yep. Um, but as they get older and start to dress themselves, um, I do agree that it, um, letting the kid express their own creativity, um, can sometimes offset some of the super gendered clothes, just like you said. So you may have a very feminine piece, but the way this spunky little girl decides to wear it um, is still true to her who she is and doesn't have to feel like you've, you know, you've bought into the machine. Um, I want to offer a couple other things that came up for us. Allegra, who's almost nine, um, has always kind of been an anti-girly girl. She never liked, she really didn't like uncomfortable, like tool, like tutu Mm. type stuff when all her peers were putting on princess dresses. But she also has never loved pink. Um, But one thing we found is I would try to focus on something she did like. So she went through this phase where she loved bunnies. And bunnies, you know, they're kind of girly and feminine and they tend to be on a lot, especially around Easter time. So we would look for um, shirts and t-shirts and, you know, 
stuff with bunnies on them. And it may actually come from that more feminine line at whatever retailer, but because it was um, an, an animal that she really loved, it felt like she was shopping based on who she was and not right. just getting something overly feminine. So I think that's one thing as Kristen's girls start to get older, um, just cluing into who they are and their likes and dislikes and whether which which side of the gender aisle those clothes come from. You can you can help your kids make choices that, you know, are much more about who they are than which gender they are. Um, I also want to mention a couple of there's um, a woman named Melissa Atkins Wardy who has a blog called Pigtail Pals that's been around a long time. Mm -hmm. And she's very active on Facebook. I mostly follow her on Facebook, but she does have a blog and a book. Her book is called Redefining Girly and it's fantastic. But her Facebook page is actually where I get the most value because she tends to link to a lot of other really um, positive and thought-provoking stuff about raising kids in this, um, especially in um, with regard to media and apparel and everything that's around us um, and gender stereotyping. So I would recommend just following her on Facebook if you're a Facebook user. And I always end up liking the other things that she links to. She also has an apparel line. So part of her business oh, okay. started as t-shirts excuse me, for girls and for boys um, that sort of went across those typical stereotypes. So that might be a good place to start. And she is not the only one. There's a bunch of, you know, kind of upstart apparel lines that really are addressing this issue. So I feel like yeah. Kristen probably is going to have uh, more more coming options. up, more options yeah. coming up than yeah. even in the last five or 10 years. Um, well, and I was also going to say, you know, with, at, with three-year-olds, you're still kind of like at the phase where you're making a lot of choices for them. And mm-hmm. I like what you were, you know, kind of touching on about letting them start to do that. And I think that that you can take that and like apply it across the board. So if, if Clara's drawers are full of clothes and they're all over, like they are clothes that represent her, but they're different kinds of things. And honestly, some of it's just stuff that her brother's handed down. So it's mm-hmm. not even, it's not even stuff she picked out. Then she can, if I just let kind of stand back and let her decide how she's going to put those outfits together, I find that it, it's really representative of her um, more than my interpretation of what you know yes. she should look like. I will say that after having four boys and then a girl, her first Halloween, I think I have a picture and it's Clara engulfed in tulle is the name. <laughs> it's like the file name because literally it's her like wrapped in pink tulle. But that was like I had to get it out of my system. And yeah, it's well, over now. <laughs> but we should say though that there are some girls naturally drawn. Violet is much yes. more traditionally sparkles and tutus, um, and this goes both ways. So honoring, honoring a little three-year-old's desire to be pinkified, I think is great. And it doesn't mean you're selling out her soul and all of feminism. Do you know what I mean? So yes, really focusing on who they are. Now we should, we should focus too on the second part of Kristen's question, which wasn't just about apparel, but you know, just everything else. Yes. Everything, everything else, which we can devote two hours to this, but yeah. What I was going to say is kind of relative to, the way I let her pick her clothes. I've also kind of done that with toys. I mean, mm-hmm. she does not like dolls. Um, and that kind of bummed me out because when I was a little girl, I loved dolls. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I got over it pretty fast because she still loves stuffed animals. And that's a very gender neutral thing yeah. to get into and still nurturing and all the kinds of things that I love doing with dolls. She just does them with stuffed animals. She doesn't like dolls' heads. She thinks they're creepy, like their <laughs> eyes and stuff. So um, she has like a pile of dolls buried in her closet. She won't even look at them. But there's that. She'll play with certain things that are a little more boyish and she'll, you know, she doesn't like princesses. Those are all things that she decided for herself. I didn't really try to push her one way or the other. Um, Benefit of her, you know, sometimes of the youngest of five is like, I didn't have a lot of time to just to sit and think about what 
you know, Disney princess I wanted her to get into. So yeah. I was never really bothered. And it turns out she just never really did, you know? Yeah. So um, I just think that you can allow them that freedom. I do think it gets tough with activities mm. because activities are gendered, a lot of them. Yeah. And even if they're not at a young age, they become so later. Yes. And so, even the activities yeah. we wish maybe weren't so gendered. I mean, I love to see boys in dance and gymnastics, but it's almost like even if you believe that y- you end up in a system that is just really drawn on gender lines. Yeah, it is. And so I guess for me where I would try to like, you know, maybe cross that line a little bit is in those pickup games, like in the backyard, mm-hmm. the backyard baseball or tossing a ball around or whatever it is that, you know, you think your daughters might want to try or do that maybe isn't going to be available to them as like a varsity sport in high school. And who knows by that point yeah. how things will be different. But that doesn't mean it's not something that they could do right now. Um, it might not be even be on a formal team, but it doesn't mean it's not something that they could try out. So that's, I mean, even something like Little League, I mean, there's always a couple girls on my boys' teams. Yeah, so there are, really, our Little League yeah. is co-ed. It's, it seems to be more equal in the very little t-ball ages. Yeah, and then, yes, mm-hmm. t-ball is equal. And then as it, and, and at least in my town, it gets becomes much more boy heavy. But hey, if you've got a daughter who is is really has an aptitude or real interest, I mean, there's no reason they can't involve themselves at that age, at least. So I just think it's, you know, there's no we live in a gendered society. We do. So we can only do what we can only do. Right. Yeah. And I think I think, um, again, thinking of Kristen with two three year old girls, I'm thinking of probably up until this point, all the gifts they've been given, all the toys that, um, you know, I had a girl and then a boy within two years. And I really think that gave me a leg up on most of the toys in her house were fairly gender neutral almost from the beginning, because I, you know, by by the time she was 18 months, I knew I was expecting a boy. So um, I do think it is it can be a bigger challenge for families with all of one gender um, on the toy front. But the other thing I wanted to remind Kristen and everybody is that um, modeling and the way we talk to our kids about gender issues um, from when they're very little all up, it has a big impact. And it's not, it's one of those things that it's not the impact you're going to see right away, but making sure that those little girls are exposed to women in all different jobs and women who work and women who don't work and women who play sports and women who, you know, are ballerinas and just, you know, as much as possible pointing out as however it feels comfortable to you or just exposing them to just a rich variety of different different ways to be a girl and different ways to be a boy and different ways to be a man and a woman. Um, I think that foundation is so important. And in, in one sense, it's easier because you're not, it's not something you need to like go out and buy or a perfect clothing company that you need to find. It's just, you need to live your values and your beliefs and, um, cross our fingers and hope that some of that rubs off. Do you know (laughs) what I mean? So, yeah, I know. I totally agree. And it doesn't always, you're not always going to see, your influence reflected in, oh, today my daughter decided to pick up a ball instead of a doll because sometimes she's going to pick up the doll. Or she'll say those, you know that when they um, say like, oh, mommies don't go to work. Has ever like They all do that. You're like, wait, I've failed. No, Um, no. Well, my kids thought I just played on the internet all day. Yeah. I was like, what do you think I've been doing all of your life? (laughs) But they have their own, you know, they're, we're saturated with messages. And so... I don't want to become shrill about it to the point where I'm just like beating a drum and I become no fun. Um, So it's just like the little ways you can kind of introduce these ideas that things aren't always the way they might seem to you. Yep. 
looking at these stereotypes um, and just do it over and over and over and over for their entire lives. Yep. And eventually it'll sink in. That's what I hope. Um, <laughs> and one final note, um, because Kristen did bring up compliments and I will plug my own article, that piece that I wrote for oh, the Washington right. Post a couple of about a year and a half ago called The Best Way to Compliment Little Girls. I just reshared it recently, actually, on International Women's Day. Um, and it, it's, yeah, um, it's my article. I wrote it, so I'm not going to like talk it gonna, up that much. <laughs> are you going to give us a spoiler? Uh, yeah, it's about. I read it, but yeah, it's about ways to compliment girls on the way they look that are a little more empowering. So it sort of take. It sort of says we don't have to stop telling a little girl she looks nice. We don't have to go all the way to like, we're just going to compliment her mind and her brain and ask her what books she's read. And all of that is good. Um, But that there are ways to compliment because women compliment each other. And that's what I say in the article is when you and I get together, Megan, we're like, oh, I love your hair. Like, oh, I love Well, and we compliment, you know, it's not like I look at you and go, gosh, you're just so pretty. (laughs) I mean, I would because you are. But it's more like I really love what you did here, like what you put together here. There's more there's more agency on your part. Like, I like the way you styled that or I liked this choice that you made. It's more active. It's not just like you came out looking good. Yeah. So I'm going to tell you that. Yes. You know, and that's exactly it's it's subtle, but it's different. Yes. And that's exactly what the article is about is just the little shifts in how we compliment little girls that we don't have to not compliment them, but um, doing it in a way, just like you said, that more talks about what they can do with their body and the creative choices they've made with their outfits rather than just you're pretty in pink. So I will link to that in the show notes. Okay, Megan, like many of our listeners, I'm sure I've been doing some spring cleaning in my closet lately, and it always feels so good to get rid of clothes I'm not wearing, things that don't fit or that aren't my style anymore. But you know what I realized? All of my Vionic shoes are always in the keep pile. They just tick all the boxes. They're cute, comfy, high quality. They last forever. And I love growing my Vionic collection, especially with the latest styles from their Vionic Vitals collection. The Vionic Vitals collection offers daily wear styles designed for elegance, comfort, and versatility. We both love the Uptown Loafer, which collapses flat, so it's perfect for travel. The Chardonnay Heeled Sandal, which I know you love, Sarah. The Walk 23 Classic Sneaker, which our team member Katie gets compliments on all the time. And the Willa Slip-On Flat, one of my favorites, which comes in 12 colors for any outfit. Yeah, I need to uh, get the Willa Slip-On Flat. That's next on my list. Well, listeners, if you're ready to try the shoes we're always raving about, use code THEMOMHOUR15 at checkout for 15% off your entire order at bionicshoes.com when you log into your account. That's one-time use only. Bionic Shoes, wearable well-being for your feet. Sarah, our sponsor, Haya Health, makes a kid's daily multivitamin that parents can feel great about giving their kids because they have no added sugars or dyes. And our kids who have tried Haya Vitamins have loved them. Which is important, right? Because what good is a bottle of vitamins that your kid won't take? Haya was founded by two dads who didn't like the ingredients label on some of the popular children's vitamins they were seeing on store shelves. So they got to work developing a formula that would help fill the most common nutrient gaps in modern kids' diets. Haya's chewable kids' vitamin is made with a blend of 12 organic fruits and vegetables and then supercharged with 15 essential vitamins and minerals. They're also vegan, dairy-free, allergy-free, gelatin-free, and nut-free. Haya manufactures their vitamins right here in the USA with globally sourced ingredients, and then they ship their chewable vitamins directly to your door on a pediatrician-recommended schedule. We've worked out a special deal with Haya for their best-selling children's vitamin. You're going to get 50% off your first order. To claim this deal, go to HayaHealth.com slash MomHour. 
This deal is not available on their regular website. Go to H-I-Y-A-H-E-A-L-T-H.com slash mom hour and get your kids the full body nourishment they need to grow into healthy adults. And I have to say also, and maybe this is also a benefit of having um, so many boys in my house, but I do find myself talking to Clara about her looks often the same way I would talk to Owen or Will. And it's like, hey, cool outfit, dude. I find myself saying that <laughs> stuff all the time. So my kids are really kind of all hearing the same messages. Yeah. And it's it's funny. And I, I kind of wonder sometimes what, you know, one gender at the very end of like a long line That's of the interesting. other what they're how their experience is a little bit different yeah oh that i mean that gets into our whole like birth order and gender makeup it's so fascinating fascinating stuff (laughs) Um, well Kristen, i hope that we answered your question and i do think that you're going to have lots of opportunities to raise those twins in a way that feels right for you i feel like we're kind of moving in a good direction with the availability of clothing and just being aware of all this stuff so Awesome. Um, Okay, so we have one more question we're going to do today. But first, I'm super excited about this, Megan. You may not know, but we're going to announce our Mother's Day challenge right now. Well, remember how I didn't read the outline? Yeah. I just found out. Yeah, now you surprise. Now I know because I just scrolled down. I'm like, ooh, I didn't know we were doing this today, but yes. But yes, you do know about this idea. So we're going to I do know about the idea. We did discuss this. <laughs> um, okay, so we Mother's Day is a couple months off, but we are going to be for the next couple of months doing the Mom Hour Mother's Day Challenge, and I'll try to explain briefly how it works, and then Megan, you can jump in and probably clarify. But this idea came about because um, we know our listeners are amazing and wonderful moms and just great people, um, and we hear from you because you email us, and you guys hear from us because you listen to the podcast. But there's no real functional way for our listeners to talk to one another. And so we thought for Mother's Day this year, we're going to have you guys, if you choose, write a Mother's Day card or a Mother's Day letter, actually handwrite it out. With and your mail- hand, like with a pen or a <laughs> pencil a pen. or a marker or... Something. And mail it in to us and we will using share the mail <laughs> using the snail mail. You have and, to have a stamp and we will share these. We'll share photos of these cards and letters and we'll also read them on the show as we lead up to Mother's Day. And the way I picture this is if you had a way you could encourage another mom, you don't know this mom because she's sort of, an, a you know, an anonymous mom out there in our listener community. But maybe you're saying something like, you know, dear mom, who's about to go back to work after maternity leave. I've been there. I know it's hard. Here's some words of encouragement. So maybe you're picking a specific kind of phase that you've been through that if you could encourage another mom, here's what you would say. Or maybe it's something really general. Maybe it's like, happy Mother's Day, mama. You're doing a great job. Love, Sarah in Southern California. You guys can, you can choose what you write and kind of who, who's your imaginary recipient. But we just thought it would be so fun to collect the words of encouragement from you guys because we try to encourage you all the time, but it's just two of us. So I know there's wisdom. I am too. I know there's wisdom out there and there's something about a handwritten letter, both the act of writing it and then receiving it. Um, And if we can then share that leading up to Mother's Day and help all of you guys feel just encouraged and like better moms, um, I just think it will be a a, a big win honestly i want to get flooded with yes these. please flood i want to have so many that we basically have to have a whole episode just to read them please yes yes do that. and, we, and depending that on how many we get we'll kind of determine how we you know how we share them i i will i'm excited to share images on social media of your sweet handwritten notes we should say you don't have to go out and buy a mother's day card um but you can it could just be on a scrap of paper um and we're we're announcing it now to give you time we'd love to have everything in 
in well before, say, May 1st um, so that we can collect it all. But you can do it right now, even though we're in March, if you're listening right now. Um, so you have you have time. But if you have time to sit down and do it today, um, what I'm going to do is at the just look for a little badge in our sidebar called Mother's Day Challenge and click on that and you will find our mailing address and all the details if we didn't explain it correctly here. And we'll also we'll remind you um, over the next several weeks uh, on each episode every week. So if you meant to do it and forgot, we'll remind you next week. Yes. Awesome. Awesome. Anything Please else? Do. On I'm that? So yeah, we're really that. we're really excited. So and I just yeah, I think it's a great way to for our listeners to hear from each other, even if it's in this kind of anonymous way. So agreed. Yay. All right. OK, so we're to our final question for today's episode, and it is from another Kristen. All <laughs> so right. we've had Kristen with Kristens. an I this time. Mm-hmm. So um We'll play Kristen's question, which came in via SpeakPipe. I also, I just love that she says she's a Sarah trying to find her inner Megan. Spoiler alert, that's my favorite part of this. So here's Kristen's question. Hi, my name is Kristen Dan, and I'm calling from Denver, Colorado. I listen to your show every time it comes out. I've heard every episode at least once, some of them twice. And I look forward to Tuesdays because I know that's the day I get to hear the newest episode. I have three kiddos, two boys ages seven and five, and then a little girl who's 10 months old. I am very Sarah in my personality because I'm type A, a planner, a scheduler, and I'm trying to find my inner Megan to be more spontaneous and laid back. And so I'm always trying to better myself by reading lots of parenting books, listening to every parenting podcast that I can find. And when I'm driving and listening to these podcasts, I get so excited about implementing what I'm hearing and trying to be a better parent, um, not so uptight, not fussing, never yelling, um, and then planning to do their educational stuff and just all the tips that I hear on these podcasts and reading these books. But then reality happens and I fall back into my old ways. So my question is, I wanted to see how you guys keep from falling back into old habits that you have consciously tried to break. And um, if you have any tips for making sure that we accept who we are, but still strive to be a better mom. Thanks. Okay, Kristen. Um, I loved your message. So Kristen's kids, she has three kids, seven, five, and 10 months, which means she's got her hands full. Um, And yeah, I can really relate to this because I also like to read parenting books and listen to other parenting podcasts. And um, I think my... My first reaction to Kristen is that she's being awfully hard on herself. Yeah, um, but I, I don't want to. But, give... but I get it. <laughs> yes, and I don't want to give that as a criticism or any kind of just like go easy on yourself because I think that's kind of dismissive and not helpful. But um, I know there are other Kristens out there too who are also yeah. very hard on themselves, and I think we all are in different ways. Um, well, I'll, I'll and, give a couple. Oh, yeah, no, I'll just go give ahead. a couple of thoughts. One is I've had times in my parenting where I've had to lay off the parenting books for a while Um, a couple of years ago when I was going through some stuff with Reed and just think feeling like I was not not parenting him in the way he needed and read a bunch of things and I actually kind of became a little paranoid about it um and was almost turned into more like obsessive and that is not healthy um I think the child that is in front of you and the life and the kids that are in front of you 
come first. Um, the opportunity to improve or to try new things is great if it's in the context of what you're actually able to do in your real life. So just like anything we talk about with regard to a media diet or, you know, the, the different books and podcasts and things that we're putting in too much of one thing can be maybe, maybe time to step back. So that's one, that's one thought. And I'm, I'm not saying that's where Kristen is, but I am saying that I have been there myself where I have been, you know, and maybe Megan, I don't know if you felt like that in your early parenting, because I know you were pretty into the attachment parenting stuff and, you know, deep into that community, if you felt that way. Um, yeah, well, (laughs) it's just, funny because uh Kristen it was when my kids were just about your kids ages that uh my oldest three their ages are a little different but pretty close they were six four and a baby and that is when I started writing for parenting publications oh. um, and I was writing a lot of prescriptive articles which means how to do stuff you know and a lot of advice and when I I don't know if it was the the having the three kids that did it or the writing and kind of peeking behind the curtain that did it. But what I start suddenly it kind of locked into place that so much of what you're hearing, I mean, you, you, you do get excited and inspired. It's like, especially if you're kind of like an emotionally um, oriented person like that, who listens to something and is like, Oh, this is the best, you know, the best idea. And I'm going to totally implement this. And I'm really going to get on board with this program or this philosophy or whatever it is. And I can definitely be that way. You hear these ideas and you forget that at the end of the day, it's a nice idea that has worked for someone sometimes. But I know that the danger I started walking into when I was writing these articles was making it sound too easy or making it sound like um, just because I did something and it worked once means it's going to work again Mm -hmm. or that's going to work for someone else. And and so that was I think it kind of cured me, honestly. Mm -hmm. I think something about having three kids and being overwhelmed and outnumbered, thoroughly Mm -hmm. outnumbered. Plus kind of seeing how these articles and, and books are often put together mm-hmm. um, kind of made me throw my hands up and say, yeah, like I just need to not that I can't get inspired or or listen to stuff or read stuff and and take away ideas from it. But I can't fully subscribe to someone else's idea about what it is. Like I have to have make that for myself. Like mm-hmm. I have to have my own parenting philosophy, my own story about motherhood that I tell myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and that has to be the one that drives me because mm-hmm. that's the only one that's real. Everybody yeah. else, every single person and Sarah, you and I are doing it right now, even though we're trying not to. Yeah. Everyone is putting together a product that yeah. they want you to see. There's the inner us and there's the outer us. There's what actually goes on in our house. And then there's what we tell ourselves about what goes on in our house. And then there's what we tell other people about mm-hmm. what goes on in our house. And the truth is always some mix, right? So anything you're hearing or reading it, I'm not saying the person who's writing or creating it isn't being totally genuine and they're being honest and they're really wanting to be helpful, but it's still like a version of reality mm-hmm. that isn't always like the nitty gritty um, that you're going to actually encounter. So mm-hmm. I don't know. I guess, again, just I guess I'm backing up what you said, like, don't be so hard on yourself. But but I don't mean it like, you know, quit being hard on yeah. yourself. Take it easy. It's more like just acknowledge that you're also an expert. You're doing yeah. it like right now you're doing it. Um, you know, falling back into old ways. Kristen, you said like everybody does that. Mm-hmm. There's not a single person who doesn't fall down on the job sometimes. Yeah. You um, pick yourself up. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And I actually would 
I'm curious what it would be like for Kristen to read a parenting book, say, and give herself permission not to implement it at all. I've, ha- yeah. I've done that at just times. Just out of where, like, like, just curiosity yeah, or just, like, where academically? I find, yeah, exactly. Where I might find something interesting, and I just sort of let it sink in. Um, I think what, it, what you'll find, if you just give yourself permission to maybe not make outward changes, but just mm-hmm. inform yourself or get inspired... And don't and really don't put any expectations on implementation. Um, what you might find is just just having that information and that inspiration um, might make you more happy or more relaxed. Or you might find little ways that you're implementing it in spite of yourself. You also might find that you kind of take it in and feel like, yeah, that maybe wasn't for me, but it was interesting. So maybe separating an action plan from the process yeah. of I'm such a, I'm, I'm such a curious reader and I really like child development. And, um, but I don't, I don't usually think I go in with, this is going to change how I parent. It's more because I'm genuinely interested in the topic and I, stuff I write about yeah. and we talk about it on the podcast. So I sort of look at it as my own education, not necessarily a prescription for changing what I'm doing with my kids. Um, so that might be one thing. And then just in kind of hearing the way Kristen phrased some of this, I wonder if instead of parenting related um, books and podcasts, if stuff about, um, you know, your own creativity and your own yes. happiness, podcasts something else like, to get really inspired by. Yeah, because we can't yeah. always control our kids. <laughs> They're no. like another. In fact, we can hardly ever control our ever? kids. Let's be honest. So I almost wonder if shifting to something like Gretchen Rubin's Happier or Elizabeth Gilbert's yeah. um, Big Magic, where it's really about your own Uh, you know, air quotes, self-help, soul searching, that kind of stuff um, might just feel more like you could actually have more of an impact because it's about your own. She mentioned not wanting to be as uptight and not yell as much. That comes from you. You don't need a parenting book for that. That's about your own sort of happiness. So that might be another angle to explore, too. Um, I I love what you said, Sarah. That's a fantastic tip. But I I also love what you said about reading something and allowing yourself the luxury of not acting on it. And that reminded me of, you know, being like this really young attachment parenting oriented, natural parenting oriented mom. I found myself getting really sucked into blogs and magazines that really were focused on that. And I I carried around a lot of guilt because I wasn't really ever going to do 75 percent of the things touted by those publications or blogs. And then at some point, I decided to just start reading things like, I don't even know if Soul Mama is still around. It's been so long. Yeah, but she still blogs. Yeah. I mean, I follow her so, on Instagram. It's you know, Amanda if, Soul. If you, yeah. Amanda Soul, if you don't follow her blog, it's like beautiful, um, handmade. Yeah, she and knits. She's got, she, she knits, knits everything. She does art with her kids and like she lives on a farm. And I mean, it's like all the fantasy stuff that I thought that I would want when uh-huh. I was younger and then realized actually isn't probably the life for me. I allowed myself to just read that like as entertainment and honestly to just absorb what I could just from the peacefulness of looking at her photos, Mm -hmm. which I will never recreate any of those photos with my kids. Not one. Mm -hmm. Like My kids will never be wearing like a homemade wool sweater, chunky wool sweater, you know, like toddling around um, our family's goat farm or whatever, (laughs) you know, that I might want to represent in those photos. But they felt good to look at. Like reading her stuff felt good to read. And so I let myself... Just keep reading it. And in um, in the magazine world, in the publication, in publishing, they call that aspirational reading. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You're you're not really being inspired because mm-hmm. you're not going to run out. You know, you, you read Martha Stewart. You're not really going to run out and probably make her version of that recipe. You're going to then go online and you're going to find the pioneer version, pioneer yeah. woman's version of the recipe or, or all recipes or something. So 
It's called aspirational because you read it because it makes you feel good about something that could be. Yeah. But it doesn't necessarily mean you have to then do it just like that. Yes. Um, it's a little different when you're talking about parenting tips because no one, you know, I I don't want to just aspire not to be the mom who yells at my kids all the time. Right. I'd actually like to do that. But Sarah, you also made a really good point that that comes from within. Yeah. So little things that you can do that make you feel good and like there's possibility sometimes is valuable just in and of itself. Yes. Yes. And I think if you're someone like Kristen, who maybe is achievement oriented or um, like she's saying, trying striving to be better, um, just take a step back and recognize that even by picking up a parenting book, how much more are you doing already than so many parents who don't have access to it or just aren't interested in it? So the simple act of caring about being a better mom has made you a better mom. And the rest um, is not always within our control. And it's not. And but I bet you would be surprised by how like, you know, you talk about falling off the horse or, or messing up or whatever. It happens. But every time you get back up and try something a little different next time or try a little harder or just try to shift your focus, you are getting better. Yes. It just happens really slowly. We're all slow works in progress. Yep. Yep. And all of that media that you're taking in podcasts and books, it's being absorbed in there anyway and it's informing the way you think and that's great and you can almost kind of let it let leave it there so um okay well this was really fun um i believe megan our plan is to actually take three more questions next week so we got so many good ones no so many good ones um just recently that we are going to do back-to-back listener q a episodes so this was episode 93 when you go to the show notes you just look for go to the momhour.com look for episode 93 um and we did mention some books and links as we talked through this episode as well as our mother's day challenge so that's where you will find all of that and then next week we have three more great questions up from listeners um really excited yeah oh i thought of something else for Kristen. sorry to jump back is the interview you just did with rachel macy macy stafford and her book only love today don't you think that would be a great yes perfect um kind of just daily mm -hmm. bonus 10 yeah bonus 10 it just came out last week so it should be in your podcast feed probably right before this episode um and that i have not read that book yet but it sounds like it would be it's just great kind of intention daily just daily inspiration without making you feel like you need to check. And it kind of touches on both the parenting and the self care and the self, uh, your own self. So I like that. Yeah. That would be a a great place to start. Okay. Well, don't forget to download the mommy nearest app, uh, wherever you find your apps, it is free and they sponsored this episode, um, and head to the momhour.com to find links to everything we mentioned in this episode 93, including our mother's day challenge. Oh Start gosh. writing those letters, ladies. It's the first one that comes in, we're going to be so <gasps> excited. I know. So. I think the first, let's, let's say this: the first one we get, I think that person gets like, I don't know, a, a, a party, prize. like a ticker tape party. A Something's happening for that yeah, person. We will. We'll surprise you. <laughs> we'll shout. We'll give you a shout out or something. But definitely. Yeah, and the address, the mailing address, will be when you go to themomhour.com and look for the Mother's Day Challenge uh, badge in our sidebar. That's where you'll find the mailing address. So you're not. You didn't miss it. We didn't mention it here, but you go there and you will get it. So, all right, everybody. We will talk to you next week. The Mom Hour is supported by partners like Erica. Erica is the social media health app for teens that gives them the tools to unplug when they need to for improved health, study focus, sleep, and daily balance. 
Erica was built by a dad of three boys who saw that teens themselves were really becoming self-aware to the risks of social media, and he wanted to help them self-regulate. Erica works to hide distracting apps from your phone at the touch of a button, keeping them out of sight and out of mind without deleting your data. Tell your teens about Erica and save 20% on the Erica family plan with promo code THEMOMHOUR. Go to erica.app and search for plans. That's Erica with a K, E-R-I-K-A dot A-P-P and use code THEMOMHOUR to save 20%. Sarah, I started a Substack last spring just kind of as an experiment and it turns out I love it. I'm treating it kind of like an old school blog, writing about things that are happening in my life. Megan, I've loved following your stuff on Substack, and I actually just really like Substack in general. You know, we've both been a lot less active on Instagram lately, and I'm finding that Substack scratches that itch to connect and create without all the busyness of a typical social media feed. So I would love it if Mom Hour listeners wanted to look me up there. I'm at meganfrancis.substack.com, and that's Megan with two A's. M-E-A-G-A-N-Francis.substack.com. 